This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. How long are they on the page? How long did they click on this? What was the conversion ratio from unregistered uniques to paying an email percentage? Did they start the shopping cart funnel? Did they finish the shopping cart funnel? How long were they on the site? Did they come back next week? Did they refer other people? There's all sorts of things. You know, um, lifetime value comes down to how much revenue you get from them uh, and, and how quickly they churn. Don't bother yourself after people who have outlier success. I fucking hate when people come up and like, well, Facebook did this and Twitter did that. Whatever, like, you know what? Facebook and Twitter have runaway adoption models and they can afford to make all kinds of fucking mistakes. You are not them and you should have a rational approach to building your business. There's much less risk for you than those out. 
So today we are talking all about metrics, scalable metrics that you should be paying attention to, metrics that will help you make better decisions inside of your SaaS business, and metrics that will help you maybe even raise money at some point for your SaaS business. So that all today, so stay tuned. Welcome to Rocketship.fm, the podcast where we explore startups from funding to growth, from culture to sales, and everything in between. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Mike Belsito. And I'm Joelle Goldman. Welcome to the third episode in our SaaS series. Today, we are going to be talking about SaaS metrics that you need to know. Now, this isn't just MRR. We're talking about the metrics that you need to evaluate your growing company, what you should be paying attention to, and maybe a bit of what you shouldn't be paying attention to, some of those vanity metrics. Now, I mentioned this is the third episode, so if you missed the first two, go back and check those out. It's not essential. You could still keep listening now, but some really great information on SaaS, so make sure you go listen to episode one and two. So today we're going to be talking about SaaS metrics. So first, let's just get the basics out of the way. So when we're talking about measuring data, there's four main types that we should be concerned with. Quantitative, which is the actual raw data, the traffic analysis, our user engagement, the data we're collecting from our app, from our website, and that we're using to measure. There's qualitative, which is usability testing, session monitoring, getting feedback from users and interpreting that in a way that we can improve our product or improve our marketing. Then we have comparative, which is your A-B testing. So what are you testing in your app one against the other? Maybe it's an email that you can determine which one is the winner, which one is better. That's comparative data. And then competitive data, which is monitoring and tracking your competitors. What are they doing? What are they charging? How are your customers measuring you up against them? And these are all metrics that are totally relevant for SaaS, but really, no matter what type of business you have, even if it's not a SaaS business, these are good metrics to know, understand, and track. So we're going to start by getting some advice from one of the most influential investors, Dave McClure. Dave did a talk, or he does a talk on pirate metrics of SaaS, and we wanted to break down some of these concepts for you so you can take away into your own business. The challenge is most of you do not understand behavioral psychology and marketing, and most of you don't understand analytically uh, correct techniques for growing customer acquisition. If you figure those things out, the path to profitability is actually not too hard if you're solving your problem. Simple, right? So let's get into some of the advice that Dave has in this iconic talk. And one of the most important pieces for us to focus on is, of course, user acquisition. How long were they on the page? How long did they click on this? What was the conversion ratio from the unregistered uniques to getting an email percentage? Did they start the shopping cart funnel? Did they finish the shopping cart funnel? How long were they on the site? Did they come back next week? Did they refer other people? There's all sorts of things that you can use to measure customer interaction. Probably about five or six basic things that you can do that measure attention on site, active page views, or some kind of click, collection of a piece of information that you can use for retention marketing later, uh, a monetization like action or behavior, uh, a referral behavior to other things. Those things 
Those five or six things that I just measured are the basic fundamental metrics that tell you whether your business is working. So did you catch that five simple things that you can measure to tell if your business is working? Attention on site, active page views, a monetization action or a purchase, referral to other things, preferably that you own, but it could be content elsewhere that could be monetized, or a piece of information for retention marketing. This could be a cookie or an email, something that allows you to market to users later on. And really what we're trying to figure out is how many people come to our site, what is the cost to get them there, and what is the conversion percentage of those that become a paid customer? And by the way, if your SaaS business is one where you're trying to raise funding from investors, knowing these metrics will make your investor conversations go a lot easier. Typically, two of the first questions investors ask SaaS founders are, one, what's the cost of acquiring a customer? And two, what's the lifetime value of that customer? These very metrics help you actually answer those questions with clarity. And so to find that out, you're looking at something like Google Analytics or Mixpanel, and you can see how many people visit your site or a particular page on your site. And if you're trying to figure out how much it costs to get them there, it's pretty simple if it was paid acquisition, right? You know how much you paid for an ad, what the cost per click was to get someone there. It's, it's pretty easy to find that out. It gets a little trickier with more of a traditional marketing route where you have to look at for example, the time it took you to produce a piece of content that drove traffic. Or if you paid someone, how much did you pay them to produce that content? And how much traffic went to the site? And how many people converted out of that? And what are they worth? And you're really just drilling down to try and figure out if the way you're getting people there is viable to keep doing. If you spend less to get them there, then they ultimately pay you. So if it costs you $5 to get someone there and one in 100 sign up, then you're looking at a $500 acquisition cost. So the lifetime value of that customer better be over $500 in order for that acquisition channel to make sense and in order for you to build a healthy business. Here's author John Werelau on the ratio of lifetime value, LTV, to the cost of acquiring a customer, CAC. So, I mean, that's going to come down to your LTV to CAC ratio. For the most part in a SaaS business, what what investors and acquirers are looking for, if they're going to pursue your existing business model, is what is your the relationship between the lifetime value of a subscriber, um, how much kind of gross profits you make from that, you know, that company over time, and how much it costs you to win her as a subscriber. And the magic number typically is around three to one. So, th- so what an investor is going to be looking for is that you can, you can generate at least three times more gross profit from a subscriber than it costs you to win them. And if you if you're th- if you're north of three to one, if you're at four or five, six to one, you'll have a lineup of people looking to invest in your company. So it's never as straightforward as the user clicks on a piece of content, the user purchases your product, they're worth five hundred dollars. There's always some nuance here. And so you have to take that into consideration that just because someone doesn't buy the first time that they visit your site doesn't mean that they're not valuable. And so you should be able to assign a value to those potential customers so you know how much you can spend to fill your pipeline. And you can figure this out by taking the LTV or lifetime value of a customer and then take your conversion percentage to so say you had a 10% 
conversion percentage. That means one in 10 people will purchase your product who visit your site. That means it takes 10 visitors to your site to create one customer. So then we take the LTV, the lifetime value of that customer, and divide it by the number of users we need to create that one customer. And that will give us the value of each user that visits our site. So a very simplistic example, most likely you'll have to do this at each stage of your funnel. But if we took a 500 LTV and we took a 10% conversion rate, so we would take that 500, we divide it by 10. And that means that each visitor is worth $50. That means we can spend $50 to get them there and we will break even anything lower than $50. And this becomes a viable channel for user acquisition. All right, scale late, launch early at a like small yeah, level and level gather data and fail and fail and fail and fail and fail. And, fail. and then as you like figure out customer costs and user economics and they like the product, they boom. And so to build on that, as you continue to optimize your LTV to CAC ratio, you're going to be looking at ways to optimize both sides of that equation. I mean, HubSpot is a, has done a lot of work on this area. They used to have a terrible lifetime value, but customer comp companies used to churn at a very high rate back in 2010, 2011. I think their LTV to CAC ratio was 1.6 to 1. One of the things they did was change their onboarding experience, and they got their LTV to CAC ratio north of three by the next year. And it was principally because people stopped churning so quickly um, because they were doing a better job of onboarding them. Interesting. So if you can really hone in and nail the customer experience and make sure people are really happy, then it sounds like worrying about the cost to acquire them is really secondary. Well, it depends on, on how big a product you sell uh, and the more, you, therefore, you can invest in sales and marketing. I think in principle, your theory is correct. If you can nail the customer experience, in particular, underscore the first 30 days, I think that's going to have a big impact on your lifetime value but it doesn't actually um, have a huge impact on your cost of acquire customer. So if, if it costs you, you know, a uh, $1,000 to win a customer, yet your lifetime value of that customer is still $2,000 as an example, it doesn't matter how good your customer experience is, um, uh, you're still gonna be underwater because you're still at only a two to one LTV to CAC ratio. So what, what you, at the same time as lowering your churn, what you wanna focus on is getting more efficient with the way you acquire customers. So reducing the cost uh, uh, to, to acquire customer. And, and all this is done in the context of, of again, how much you're capturing from the customer. Like take a company like Zuora, which offers um, the kind of a billing platform a lot of SaaS companies use on the back end. Um, their cost to acquire a company is astronomical. I mean, it takes months, if not years, to convince a big SaaS company to move to, to their billing platform on Zora. You know, they probably have very expensive salespeople. They probably have you know just tremendous costs. But what they do have going for them is the lifetime value of a Zora subscriber must be hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, because it's such a pain in the ass to change your credit card company processor, right? Uh, and it would cause in and of itself tremendous churn. And so what Zora has going forward is just a massive lifetime value. So they can afford to invest tons of money into very expensive salespeople, very slick marketing, um, because they know they're going to capture a tremendous amount of lifetime value. We'll be back with more from Dave McClure and a deeper look at SaaS metrics right after a quick word from our sponsors. Now, back to the show. All right, so with 
Dave's help, let's take a deeper dive into conversion metrics. Now, there are five stages of the conversion metrics. Let's walk through each one. Acquisition focus. People that visit the site, 100% conversion, everybody who comes to your site is on your site. Figure out a value, guess at it. And this is going to be a low value, and you can use some of the equations that we laid out just before this to kind of help get you there. But overall, this is gonna be all visitors to your site. This is not gonna be a high number. And the second step is... Activation, happy first visit. What does that mean? X number of pages, Y seconds, Z clicks. Things that you would like to get, email, blog, RSS sign up, or an account profile sign up. Figure again what those percentages are, focus on getting that to happen. So here you're figuring out how many people can you get to give you some piece of information so you can start to validate whether they will be a customer of yours. So step three. Retention. So how do I get to get people to come back, measure important criteria, our email open rates and RSS? open rates or click-throughs, and then a rough metric for repeat visits, maybe three visits in the first 30 days. Again, choose a rough metric for what you think retention behavior is and then measure it. And this could be many things depending on your business, but the idea is how do you identify someone who is actively interacting with your brand or your company? Is it those people that visit your site three times a week, or is it maybe the users that also follow you on Snapchat and Instagram? And the fourth step is referrals. Try and find out the people who who are at least referring other people to your site. And then also, if you can, measure the people who actively do something when they refer. So massive referrers are not as pointing as people who do refer and those people then join. So are you able to identify those people that are such a fan of what you're doing that they're actually drawing more people to you? It's one of the best ways to grow is through referrals. So try to identify those users that are helping you grow. And oftentimes, this is an easy one to overlook because there's not a hard value that's easy to associate with that person. But if that person is really bringing you a paying customer that you wouldn't have seen otherwise, there actually is value. And as you pointed out, Michael, referral marketing can sometimes be the most powerful. And finally, step five. Lastly, revenue. So two things to measure, minimum revenue and then break-even revenue. So if you can get those two metrics down, those are important things to kind of figure out. All this forms a sample dashboard that you could look at um, from a marketing perspective. What are you trying to do? You're trying to design multiple marketing channels that work for high volume, high conversion, or low cost, but you're trying to measure deeper down the conversion funnel. So you're not measuring effectiveness at the top when they come to the site. You're measuring how effective they are at the lower levels of conversion. And often when we talk about SaaS, we're talking about converting to a recurring monthly model. But it doesn't have to be. So you could have a model where you have an upfront cost or you have some maintenance or you're selling some kind of service plus a monthly recurring, which would be for your SaaS. Here's John Warlow explaining. Those businesses have two forms of revenue. They have the one and done installation revenue and they have the recurring or monitoring revenue. Typical acquirer today will pay 75 cents on every dollar of installation revenue, yet they'll spend $2 for every dollar of recurring revenue. So if you think about it, your recurring revenue in the case of security is almost three times more valuable. So if your goal is to sell your business for a premium one day, um, no, I wouldn't walk away from the recurring revenue model. I think it's, I think it's imperative to getting a, a huge premium on the value of your company. However, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be all in. You could just have some form of recurring revenue, which gives you the Trojan horse effect. So if you look at Amazon as an example, Amazon's not all in on subscriptions, but they do have a huge business in Amazon Prime. And so they know that 
being a Prime subscriber makes you more likely to buy other things from Amazon. And so, they, they, you know, they're not all in, in, it's not subscribe and you get all the, our stuff for free. It's, hey, subscribe to Prime, we'll give you some stuff, including free shipping and free downloads, uh, but you still gotta buy stuff from us. And it's because you're a Prime subscriber that it changes your behavior. So the average Prime subscriber spends more than $1,500 a year with Amazon. The average, the average non-Prime subscriber spends less than $500 a year. So Amazon has figured out that once you get someone to subscribe to your company, it makes it a truckload easier to cross-sell them other stuff. And that brings us to the end of the third episode of our SaaS series. I hope you are enjoying it as much as we are as we're putting it together. Coming up on Sunday, we have another fantastic interview for you. Bobby Martin will be here with us to discuss SaaS pricing models. You may have heard some of that interview in episode two. You can hear the full interview now this Sunday, so you don't want to miss that. So to make sure that you don't, subscribe and please leave us a review. A huge thanks to our sponsor today, Chargebee. Chargebee makes setting up a recurring SaaS billing incredibly easy. It's built on top of Stripe. Companies like Soylent use it and have grown with it. So get started today. Go to chargebee.com forward slash rocket ship. Sign up for free and help support the show. Big thanks to all of our guests today. If you'd like some more information on any of them, go to rocketship.fm and find this episode show page. We have all the links and a full description there. You can even share it out if you'd like. Follow us on Twitter at RocketshipFM. You can follow Joelle at Joelle Goldman. You can follow Mike Belsito at Belsito. And you can follow myself at Michael Saka. All right, we'll see you here in just a couple days.